Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome back to the Five Yard Rush flagship show here following week 13. Uh, as you can probably see if you're watching or if you're listening, I'll let you know there is no Murph this week. Murph's uh, a little bit under the weather again, so uh, I'm sure you'll all join me in giving our best to him and hope he's on the mend again soon. Uh, but in his place, I'm pleased to say, I have Lewis. Lewis, how are you? Yeah, I am all good, mate. Um, shame about Murph. Obviously, I, I joined him here in week six and wish yeah. him all the best in a speedy recovery. But it's uh, it's great to finally jump on with you. We had, we had a little thing planned for Halloween week, didn't we? And then I got I got stuck outside Birmingham when they thought there was a grenade in the train station. It just all went wrong, didn't it? But yeah, it's great to jump on here. It's always good fun, mate. It's always good to have you in as well. You know exactly what you're talking about. So it's it's great to sometimes get a different perspective and opinion on things that, that me and Murph talk about a lot. So um, for those of you who don't know, tell them what you do, Lewis. Yeah, so um, I'm part of Five Yard Rush Fast Action Friday, where we give yep. you a little bit of a um, Thursday night recap. on a It's Friday evening, about six o'clock. Thursday night recap and a little look forward to tell you some weak points and some injury news of the f- games that are going to happen over the weekend. I also write for Five Yard Rush with the redraft team. So I've been doing the starts and sits the last few weeks. And 
yeah, that's about it, really. And some good injury reports throughout the year as well. Yeah, yeah, they um they, they took a little bit of a backseat recently because of doing the starts and sits and how much goes into them, obviously. That's it. So, Lewis, five-yard rush is available with the Patriot, I think you're a member of. Yeah. Exclusive WhatsApp chat um, <clears throat> with Murph. It's little as a pound a month. There's bigger subscriptions where you get all of our five-yard merch as well. So, at the bottom there, five-yard rush on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also the podcast, if you're listening, you know where it is, but it's available on all good podcast providers uh, or you can watch us on YouTube at any time so if you are watching now do get in touch drop a comment down we'd love to have some thoughts and opinions from you guys as well but Lewis talk us through week 13 what, what sticks out to you straight out of the game so the first thing is the Detroit Lions so they're, they're over exceeding people's expectations at an NFL level anyway with that sort of culture that Dan Campbell's been breeding in Detroit right yeah but that defense, specifically against running backs, now the last five weeks, they've held running backs to 66 yards on average over the last five games. They've done it again this weekend with the Jaguars. They held them to 60 rushing yards. So that's 66 rushing yards over the last five weeks. So something to monitor, really, um, heading in towards like the fantasy football playoffs now is where well, there's one week left, isn't there, before. And... Keep an eye out if you've got a running back that are facing the Lions, really. That's um, that's a big one for me because that is not not good. It isn't. I saw a big stat on the, the IDP side of it where Anzal only played 100% of defensive snaps and the other three guys were literally 30, 33, 34% each and they're just rotating a fresh man in every single time, which I think will play a big part of that. Yeah, he's a he's a wrecking ball at the minute for if you've got him in IDP. I know I've got him in one league where I've just secured my playoffs this weekend. And um he is he has been a wrecking ball the last four or five weeks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um <clears throat> so yeah, as you say, facing the playoffs, you've got someone who's facing the lines defense running back, it might be worth just having a look at who's about there if you can do something with it. Um, talking of running backs, another one who has forward the last few weeks in Derek Henry. Where are we at with him? Yeah, so it, it's a strange one because his schedule the next three games is like velvet soft. It is really easy, you know. And it's a um, playoff, lovely, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is as good as it can be. Two of the top three. Um, bottom three, sorry, defences against running backs for fantasy points allowed. So his next three games, he's got Houston, the Chargers, and then Jacksonville, who are also not very good against running backs. But his last four games, he's only averaging 2.77 yards per carry, which by any standard is bad, but by his, it's awful. Yeah, it's far from ideal, especially for the capital that you'd have paid up on him um, to have him. There's a few backs like that. And I know he's not on our list here that we're going through, but Aaron Kamara feels like he's suffering a little bit as well. He had that one big explosive 43-point week, and I don't mm. think he's passed 11 points in a week since then. I mean, pre before that 43-point, uh, he, he was kind of steady, wasn't he? Sort of mm. 17-ish around. But, yeah, he, he's gone missing lately as well. And this is normally the time of year where we see Derek Henry coming to his own. <clears throat> Tired defences wearing down, and you know this is where he puts up some monster weeks before. He's put up 200 yard weeks and so on before and uh, just 30 this week off 11 carries which is is, is poor by his own standards even <clears> even <throat> the usage has declined like you said he only had 11 carries when was the unless he got hurt in the middle of a game he never has that low of a share do you know what I mean 
Yeah, even you can talk about game scripts and how they can go away from running the ball, but the Titans don't. It is the backbone of what they do. Um, but yeah, you're all right. It's uh, something to definitely keep an eye on. And if you're playing him in fantasy at this time in the playoffs and you're dependent on a win, it's quite a nervous time, I'd imagine. Yeah, absolutely. But like I say, that that schedule, the next three games, which takes you all the way up to week 17, it is velvet soft. So, I mean, you, you have to start him, really. He's still a must-start at this point. But if he does, if he gets that kind of usage again, around 10 carries or something, against someone, against a defence which isn't too great, then perhaps look for another option for the week after if you do get through. Yeah, I mean, go back. When they played the Texans before, you say you got the Texans coming up week 16. He had 32 attempts and 219 yards, just to put yeah. 11 and 30 into perspective there. Yeah, absolutely. And even the last two weeks with Houston, though, um, running backs have had limited usage against them. Like Jeff Wilson, he had about 14 carries, I think. And then you had Nick Chubb this week, who would have had more, but he, he had a very quiet game as well from what he's been doing this year. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting one to watch as well for this week. It is. So we'll stick with the running back theme for, for now. Uh, and he, one young guy that's starting to, to really carve himself out a role. We saw him on Thursday night. Is Buffalo's James Cook? <clears throat> yeah. It, is it the changing of the guard at running back for uh, Buffalo? I say that because he took all of the passing down work away from Singletary and he was perfect six from six for 41 yards. But he also outcarried Devin Singletary. We know Singletary got the touchdown. He punched it in from a yard, like, but he had 51 yards Singletary on 13 carries, whereas Cook had 14 and 64 rushing yards. So he broke the 100 scrimmage yards on the night as well. And he just, all, all around, he looked the better running back. And they even found a role for Naheem Hines this week. I think he had 13 carries as well. They finally, in the last few weeks, just starting to, to work a role in there for him as well. Yeah, he's uh, been slowly getting something, hasn't he? I mean, it's slowly increasing week on week, but I think that's kind of like um, his um, top level, if you know what I mean, around 13 mark, if you've got a clear lead back. But it, it's a hard one to predict, isn't it? And if Singletary's going to get that Jamal Williams role when you've got not very far to go and he's the one going to be punching it in, then he's probably still the back to own there. But James Cook, he looked good. He does, he does. And it looked early on in the season that the trust wasn't there. And especially when they went out and acquired Hines, it seemed like the trust in Cook wasn't there. But since mm -hmm. then, he's, he's upped his game and he's started to perform. So if you've rostered both now heading into the playoffs, which way are you going with it? So being, if you're already in the playoffs as well, because we've still got one mm -hmm. week to go. Yep. If, you, <clears> if you need someone that's going to get your points this week to get you in, I'd probably try and play safe maybe and go with Singletary. If you need that, you know, that double figure out in 10 points, 11 points, I think Singletary can get you that. We've seen it the other week with Washington where Brian Robinson come off of a monster amount of carries against the Eagles, 26 carries. And then the week after Gibson had nearly 20 carries, but then, well, we'll get back onto them in a bit, but, could it be similar now where James Cook has a down week in week 14, but then picks it up again afterwards? We don't know. And like so <clears throat> yeah, so it's like, if you're trying to get into the playoffs, I would lean Singletary for this week, for week 14, but it really is one of those that I think it's week to week. You have to just monitor it. I think it's a bit like me and Murph spoke about last week. When you're looking at your lineup and you're looking at <clears throat> projections are 
hit and miss. We get that. But if you if you ballpark okay and you're going to be competitive in the game, you probably take Singletary because of the chance for a touchdown and the score you can get there. If you're yeah. factored to lose by 15, 20 points anyway, I think I'd probably go Cook purely on the basis of the upside is there. If he's getting that extra work, he's getting in the minute, he's being more productive with the work he's got. He only wants to break one of those off. And I think he's more likely to right now um, <clears throat> to put up a bigger points hole. Yeah, it, it, it makes complete sense, Dan, to be honest. And um, like when, when they added Naheem Hines as well, I thought that's another pass catcher, isn't it? And yep. I really didn't think this would be, James Cook would be this relevant all season. So to have that sort of game where he was trusted with that workload, um, it's, yeah, it's really interesting. In a game where running backs, it, it's not a good script for them, but then... Away from home in the divisional game as well. So against a solid defence. Yeah, and they've, they've rushed the ball without Josh Allen's uh, touches. Like They still rushed it like 40 times. And I, I don't know how many carries he had or how much scrambling he done without looking, but like that that's crazy numbers. Yeah, sure is. So just to let you know, Josh Allen done eight, eight for 20 yards, which isn't a great deal by Josh Allen's standards. So maybe no. in there, maybe with three now feasible backs, might be starting to look to protect him and use him more in the playoffs now and, and just do enough to get through the game. So you might see a slight regression over the next week or two from Josh Allen on that side of it until they unleash him, I guess, to the other side. Yeah, it's a good job he can get it done with his arm, isn't it? It is, right? We'll run with running backs. We're on them. <clears throat> Similar situation, I guess. You mentioned Singletary being almost a 50-50 back now, but Singletary getting the goal line work. Um, let's head over to Detroit, and we've got Swift, who's doing okay. He's come back off the injury report, but Jamal Williams is leading the NFL in touchdowns. Um, I think I saw earlier right he's got eight from the one-yard line and a further two from the two-yard line this year. So where are we going in Detroit? <laughs> Is yeah, he's he's well into double figures, and it's like you know when um they was at the one yard line on Sunday, and it was like oh, the Detroit down at the one yard line. I says, well, it has to be Jamal, doesn't it? In a group chat, I was like, and it wasn't a surprise. He punched it in from a yard. He's been doing it all year. He will probably continue to do that as well. But the interesting numbers from this one is Swift. His first week off the injury report completely, like you said. He played 50% of the snaps, which is nice, but he had over half of the running back opportunities for Detroit, Where and that's the first time for a long time since he got injured mm-hmm. um, that he's had over 50% of the running back opportunities for the Lions. It's funny, isn't it? We kind of talk about, I don't know, workhorse backs or shared backfields and such like. We're always coming to, here's a guy who's going to get the production and the yardage and the yardage, and here's our big bruiser that actually inside the fives going to get the scores for us from a fantasy yeah. point of view absolute hell absolute hell I mean Jamal Williams you could always flex because of the scores and, and the same with like Kareem Hunt on that basis and so on but there's a few teams just going this way and the next one on the list is going to be pretty similar in that but teams are seeming to get a yardage workhorse back and then a, a big bruising punching guy right now there's there's a lot of teams adopting that sort of um thing this year where they are doing exactly that they've got their yeah. lead back and then they got their guy that's just going to drive it home and if you think from keeping your running backs healthy perspective from an nfl perspective it makes a lot of sense a hell of a lot of sense but unless you've got that clear-cut jamal williams where he will be punching it in every time we get down that far and he is very good at it yeah 
it's a nightmare for fantasy players. And that, that I think that's why a lot of people have um, in this off season just gone. And I think it will be even more next year was adopting going for a wide receiver first rather than running backs. Yeah, I agree. I think we're going to see a drift in that drafting. I don't know if you want to hear that. My kids are having a nightmare out in the background. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> Another backfield, we mentioned touched on it earlier. Uh, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson up in Washington. How are they looking? Where are we at with them? Yeah, so Brian Robinson's leading the backfield again. Um, he had 21 carries to Gibson's nine. They were both two from two in the passing game. And Robinson was near on 100 yards on the ground. But like I said before, where Gibson had that week after Robinson had 26 carries, it's so volatile. You don't actually know which way they're going to go. So when Robinson actually touched the field for the first time this year, I didn't think he would get that sort of workload as quickly as he did. And then it's still been hit and miss all the way through. And there's a lot of other backfields like it. But that's been two weeks on the trot now. Robinson has been the full lead. So I think he's the back to own. I, I think I agree. And I think that's a more conventional setup of, I don't know, two down back and then having a third down catching back coming in that we're predominantly used to. We just spoke about a different way of how teams are having yardage guys and punching guys effectively. Um, I think Washington feels a bit more conventional in that regard at the minute. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, it's always nasty when players get hurt and things like that. But JD McKissick getting injured probably done us favours for our fantasy teams with the fact that he probably wasn't on our rosters anyway. But then now you've got Brian Robinson as the clear lead, you know, the bulldozer, the guy who's rushing the ball with Gibson, because mm-hmm. otherwise it could have been a real mess if all three of them was involved because McKissick's a good pass catcher as well. But yeah. yeah. Fair enough. And I think another one that's very similar to that in the minute, that conventional way is, and it's not on here, so I'm going to dump this on you, is, is the Chiefs. Pacheco's getting sort of 14 carries and only two receptions there, whereas Jet McKinnon picked up a bit of catching down work, didn't he, including the touchdown score, so uh, and only six rush attempts. So they seem to be a bit more of that conventional basis there. Yeah, Jet McKinnon's been um, decent for your PPR leagues for a few weeks now. He didn't have that many um, targets or receptions this week. I think he was two from two. Just two. Yeah, he was, yeah. On his carries, he was more effective as well, 51 mm-hmm. yards. and But yeah, like you say, Pacheco, was the, he's the, the bulldozer back. He's the guy that's going to be rushing the ball. And it's no surprise there. But adding Melvin Gordon to that mix now, it's another backfield that's up in the air. We do not know what's what heading towards the playoffs and it's absolute chaos. I think, if anything, it remains to be seen, but I think Gordon will pick up that punch in role, potentially, that we've, we've just spoke about. Um, I don't think he can be a, a heavy workload back and he used to share the role with Williams anyway and I think he's designed for that that five-yard and in type carry. Yeah, for this stage of his career, it, it, it makes a lot of sense because he's never um, suffered with fumbling the ball as much as this season before. Never has. So to get him in just to be that brute, and it takes everything away from Pacheco, doesn't it? Because all he's missing from his game from having them big, big weeks is touchdowns. And if Melvin Gordon's been brought in to get them touchdowns, then it's an absolute nightmare for us. But it's, so many it's producing just something... Teams adopting this approach. Fantasy-wise, it's hell. You've got to pick the guy that's going to break out yards or pick the guy that may get two scores. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. It's a horrid nightmare. 
Um, and another back we've got in here who had his first start over uh, uh, New York Jets, Zonovan Knight. How did he come through? So, yeah, it was his um, second game, but his yeah. first actual start. And it, he got 90 rushing yards on 15 mm-hmm. carries against Minnesota. More than decent, isn't it? Five from five in the passing game as well. There, I think even if Michael Carter wasn't out, he would struggle to lead as well as Zonovan Knight did. 15 carries isn't a boatload, is it? No, they're bound in the run pretty well. I mean, Mike White had, I think, 52 throwing attempts in the game, which says a lot. You shouldn't, Mike White shouldn't yeah. throw 52 times in a game in any game. <clears throat> yeah, Mike White had 57 attempts in the game. A lot of it, yeah. a lot of it in garbage time um, when they was kept in the game by kicking all, all evening, weren't they? And yeah. they was trying to get that touchdown kind of thing. But the Jets do. All season, when Brees Hall was there as well, even when they was working Brees into it with Michael Carter, they've obviously got James Robinson there. It's another volatile backfield because if all three are healthy, Carter could be the passing downs guy. Zonovan Knight getting the hard yards, just like Pacheco, with James Robinson, the bulldozer, like Melvin Gordon we just mentioned, to punch it in. It is potentially another absolute nightmare. And I've seen Brees Hall to come back into that as well. Yeah, I mean, I think James Robinson is a short-term answer to anything and Zonovan Knight will be phased out when Brees is back anyway. But for for this season, it's yeah. potentially another absolute nightmare where you don't know what's going on. But he did look good because Carter can do the passing work as well, but he very much shared that with Brees. It was a shared backfield the whole season anyway. So I don't really think either takes value away from the other one except for the fact of James Robinson there as that kind of see-at-home guy. Kind of surprised by Robinson because he went there after Hall went down. Then Carter goes out and you expect Robinson to step up. And last week he was a healthy scratch. Healthy uh, scratch, yeah. he had just four attempts for 10 yards. Um, anyway, and this is a guy that, I don't know, what was it, 10 weeks ago, week one, two, and three, he was having over 20 carries and over 100 yards from scrimmaging games for the Jags. For the Jags. Yet he yeah. can't seem to find a role at the minute in New York. Is he struggling to learn the playbook, or is he just we don't we don't know, you know? And it's a nightmare for us, but it's another messy situation either way round. I think me and Murph talk about playbook and running backs before, and I don't think we neither of us we agree. Me and Murph, it's not like a wide receiver with routes and timings. Yeah, it's a case of I'm going to give you the ball, run behind that guy as hard as you can. Other than the odd bits of pass protection and stuff, but it isn't a hard job to pick up. Let's face it. I'm going to give you the ball yeah. and you're going to run that way as fast as you can, as hard as you can. Like, Do you need to learn a playbook to, to that kind of extent? I get there's no. what it was called lines and protections changed and so on. So you need to have a general understanding. But he's been in the league, what, three years, two years now? So you'd have, yeah, to, and you'd have a level of common sense. But he can't seem to forge a role in New York. And with Carter going down, after Hall going down, I expected Robinson to step up to the plate and be a decent, rosterable guy. But it isn't working out that way. Yeah, I mean, he was a league winner two years ago, James Robinson, when he emerged. Yeah, and when Carter went down this year, I thought we was going to have... Going to get up. it again. I thought he's so, got the backfield to himself now. He's, you know, he's going to be okay, but it, it isn't panning out that way. Well, we've had it with Montgomery the last two seasons, and it's looking like the same thing happening again. David Montgomery could be a league winner because of the end of the year. and But who knows? It could change this week, Dan. That is how yep. volatile running back has been. It is. When we started out early on looking at guys like Henry and Kamara that 
aren't delivering on their draft capital. And here we are looking at people like Zonovan Knight putting up 90 yards in a game. And Jamal Williams is the leading touchdown scorer. And it's absurd. It is absurd. Um, I'm going to throw you out a little bit now because you've done our lovely show notes here. but And you've listed a few things we want to talk about. We've covered off running backs. You then chuck a couple of players in and then you've gone back to a running back. So I'm going to jump down a page a few bits and, and finish this running back off in one hit, if that's all right with you. Go for um, it. Over in... Houston, we had a bit of a bounce back from Damian Pierce. Yeah, it was a mini bounce back, wasn't it? But his usage was there again. He had 18 carries this week as opposed to 10 and 4. Um, 95 scrimmage yards. It's good news for everybody that rosters Damian Pierce because it was a little bit of a two-week blip, but he was still playing a lot of the snaps even over those two weeks. And he was actually seeing increased passing work, which he didn't put to good use getting yards and things like that so it was an absolute nightmare but over four yards per carry this weekend three from three in the passing game again as well like um it's good news this sort of mini bounce back against a not very good run defense admittedly but it's good to see him being utilized it is if you've got him um there is an option that I fear the Texans might start to ease back on his usage as mm. the season comes to a close for them. They've still got Dallas, Kansas City, Tennessee to come. So all playoff teams that they'll probably find themselves yeah. behind in. Not the best fantasy schedule at all for running back on a poor team. So I wouldn't be surprised if you've got him. I'd, I don't think you'd have to play him while we've talked about these mixed backfields and how you've got no confidence in them. I think you could start him, but I wouldn't be expecting some big numbers out of him. For the pure fact that he is the running back in Houston, right? There isn't two. There isn't two free names there that could do, um, like hinder him. He is the pure running back. There is nobody else. The the quarterbacks aren't mobile. Like there isn't no trick plays where you got wide receivers coming around the back and things like that. And you know, it's it's almost like you know what you're going to get from him. Yeah, and Burkhead was a scratch this week as well. So, you know, if they're going to slide away from him and go to the passing game, you'd expect Burkhead to have an increased role. He actually was a healthy scratch, I believe, this week. Or was he injured? Uh, I was in concussion, sorry. So he didn't play. So um, that may have helped Pierce slightly with his his little bounce back there. So I think that kind of does us for running backs, I believe. Yeah, there was a lot of them on there, but yeah. There was. And we've still got, just quickly before you go, we've still got a muddy backfield to come tonight. Alvin Kamara will lead the Saints. How productive he is remains to be seen. But in Tampa, Fournette seems like he's coming back. Rashad White's done okay the last couple of weeks he's played. It's another messy one, right? It's another messy one because Lenny is sort of not known for, but he has them bounce back games, doesn't he? It's a nice problem to have because Rashad White has been effective. Mm -hmm. But Lenny... He, he sort of gets that bounce back we were just talking about with Damian Pierce. Like when Lenny got put on the bench before, the, the next game he played, 140 odd yards and, you know, a couple of scores and things like that. And do we see that today? We don't know. Do we see it next week? We, it's just, it's a mess. It isn't it? <laughs> I will say, as a Tampa fan, Tampa abandoned the run far too quickly, far too easily. Mm-hmm. They're not imaginative with their runs. Uh, and I'm surprised. I think both backs actually are score dependent right now in fantasy. Which is surprising. Mm-hmm. I went into the year thinking Fournette was going to be a sort of top six, top eight back this year. He had the backfield to himself and so on. It hasn't quite panned out that way. He's struggling. He's top 15. I guess it's rosterable, but 
now Rashad White's made a bit of inroads into his production. I am starting either of them with any real confidence right now, which is not good heading into the playoffs when you bank on these guys. No, they're they're probably a, a, either of them. If you have them, are probably a flex play at best until we see otherwise. Um, yeah, but yeah, I completely agree with you. Awesome. Uh, and if you're starting Mike Evans tonight, anybody, he's going to get ejected. Mike Evans, Marshawn Lattimore, happened earlier, <laughs> happened last year, happened the year before. So if anybody's waiting on the Monday miracle and it's Mike Evans, sorry, already. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put my hand up because I am. I'm waiting on uh, Brady and Mike Evans for 35 points in the Warrior Bowl. I've, I, don't, no, I don't know if Lattimore's it's too... been limited in practice, so there is a hope Lattimore don't play. But if, if he does play, he will follow Mike Evans and they will come to blows because it's a, a given. Does <laughs> does that make him worse? If he if Lattimore's not feeling 100%, is he going to try to get in Evan's head even more? Like... Yeah, he'll, use, he'll use whatever he can to his advantage, I guess. And yeah, absolutely. I'd like to think any team without Mike Evans on the pitch is a worse team. So if the Saints can do that, then they're going to be all the better for it, right? So yeah, um, anyway, we digress slightly. <clears throat> um, you've put down here a quarterback, and I've seen a lot of this today. You put down Jalen Hurts, but the words next to it are what caught my eye because I have seen a lot of this today. Mm. Uh, you wrote MVP candidate. Yeah, absolutely. You think 12 so... months ago you'd be sat here writing that? No, definitely not. Oh. And I, I I was with everyone else that was sort of saying like, um, yeah, he's good. He's very good, especially for fantasy football and things like that. But like he showed us this weekend he can do it through the air. He won the game through the air. You have to throw to beat the Titans, right? He just done that. 29 of 39. So he completed 29 passes. Great anyway. 380 passing yards and three passing touchdowns. He did not run the ball yesterday. Five carries he had. They was all scrambles. He got a few yards, right? It solidifies him as a top fantasy quarterback anyway because of that rushing upside but we know he can do it from the, through the air if he has to. In turn, AJ Brown had an absolute monster revenge game against the Titans as well. But I think that sort of definitely puts him in in the mix for the MVP anyway, especially how the Eagles are going on. And he's shown that he is a quarterback that can throw the ball and throw it effectively. Yeah, he is. We've seen a lot of <clears throat> QBs over recent years get a lead wide receiver and become immeasurably better. Um, Josh Allen, when Diggs came in, for instance, two of this year with Tyreek Hill uh, and Jalen Hurts with AJ Brown. It isn't a surprise. I don't think that if you give talented people talent around them, it makes everybody better. And I think that's just a clear case of what we're seeing there. Yeah. I mean, I I really like Jalen Hurts in the whole pre-draft process anyway. And I thought he would go on to get a career in the NFL because of how intelligent he was and with that um, dual threat ability as well, which is fantastic for fantasy football, but it's great to see him doing so well with the Eagles this year. And I like you say, AJ Brown, but the the one thing with all three of those guys you mentioned, so Josh Allen got digs. He now has Gabe Gabe Davis as a legit number two. He's better for being a number two receiver as well. It's the same with the Eagles, with Devonta Smith. He's better this year as a number two on his own team. And the same with Waddle, of course, getting Tyreek there. And it, it, it's amazing for us. All of those situations are amazing for us. Yeah, agreed. Totally agree. Uh, and I, 
I'm close to agreeing with you on Jalen Hurts is certainly at the minute in the conversation for MVP candidate. I think there's a couple there. I think Mahomes is going to be at the top of the list again. I think Joe yeah. Burrow is working his way near the list. Yeah, I had Lamar Penn quite early in the season near there. I think that's fading slightly. But other than that, there's not many standouts up there at the minute for me, other than perhaps those three. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen's always going to be in the, the conversation if Buffalo go deep as well, which is expected again. But yeah, Burrow's having a nice year. Mahomes is doing Mahomes stuff, even without Tyreek there. And yeah, yeah but Jalen Hurts has definitely thrown his name in the hat, without a doubt, yeah. especially after this yeah. performance. Uh, and another quarterback we saw take the field uh, for the first time in, I think, about 560-odd days, Deshaun mm. uh, Watson. A lot of hype. A lot of people in leagues I'm in said, my team's just got immeasurably better. Deshaun Watson's back. It, it didn't surprise me that it didn't quite transpire no. that way. Week one, after two years sitting on the sideline. What about yourself? Yeah, so I, I done a show with um, Gibbo on Thursday, actually. Um, it's the Fantasy Nut show. And we we touched on Deshaun Watson with the, you know, he ain't been on the field so long and everything, regardless of any situations he's in. But it would be the same if it was Jacoby Brissett. That game was going to be so run heavy with both having such a bad run defence. But... He was awful. Even what he did attempt, he was not good. You know, yeah. Brissett would have been better. And I agree. You, yeah. you, you, can, you cannot start Deshaun Watson, and this is what I said on Thursday as well, until we see the Deshaun Watson we've seen previously. I, I don't think you can start Deshaun Watson until week one next year, personally. I don't think that comes back, that time, that rhythm, that natural belief. I don't think he's going to wear that back in enough time to be... Anyway, we've got super flex. We're talking about the injuries and what's happening at the minute, and we'll get on to injuries in a little while, but you may need to. And I think come week 16, week 15, I think you might get a reasonable production from him and not load him into a 1QB league at all till next year. Not bothered. No, so I, I have to start him week 14 with Aaron Rodgers being on the bye. Okay. And to be honest, I'm going to go and look at the waiver wire and see if there's any drags left there because... Off that production, there's, there's, yeah, it's fifty-seven throwing attempts. <laughs> exactly, it's it's Joe Flacco two point isn't it? When yeah. he started the season for the Jets, he was just lobbing it all the time, yeah. and yeah, fantastic for us. But yeah, it is so. Yeah, Deshaun Watson, one hundred and thirty-one yards, twelve twenty-two, an interception. It's to be expected. I mean, it was the Texans. The defense, I think, scored three touchdowns for them. Or defense, special teams. Like it was one of the weirdest. I think they put up 27 points and the offense hadn't scored an offensive touchdown in the game. Either team, I think, at one stage. It was really bizarre. Um, yeah. I'd have been intrigued to see how it would have played out if they'd gone behind early, if their defense hadn't stepped up. If they'd have gone behind in that game and those struggles were still there with Watson, knowing that they had relative success with Brissett throughout the first sort of 10, 12 weeks of the season, if they'd have changed it or whether they'd have rolled with it still. He, Jacoby Brissett was a competent backup anyway and yep. whenever called upon you know he could do a job but he's played 12 weeks well 11 weeks of the NFL season obviously because they had the bye week and what else to a decent standard and I think they would have been more than happy to have to plug him in especially because he's been playing and I, I'm actually a little bit surprised thinking back on it that they didn't start Brissett anyway yeah. You know, ease the Sean back into it, but yeah. I think the investment there, but I think he got away with the defense, which meant they could keep rolling him. If they'd have been yeah. behind 
early third quarter, mid third quarter, later on, would they have made that change and said, did you go, go win us the game and we'll worry about the rest later? I think they had to start Watson, those, the marquee name that they brought in and paid whatever they did for mm-hmm. him, whether you agree with it or not. Uh, and Brissette knew that as well, to be fair. But I would have been yeah. intrigued to see if they'd have fallen behind, whether they would have just made that switch or not. Um, and we're, it could be seen. Upcoming games, if it doesn't improve, if it doesn't get better next week, then they may be faced with a situation that they don't want to face. It's it's almost like when you draft a rookie QB and you let him sit. Like if you're out of the playoffs and you're definitely not making it, you start giving him the starts towards the end. And that's almost what it's like with Deshaun because they know they're not winning the championship this year. So they're going to give him the game time. Watson's just got a six-month preseason. He's going to have game reps now. He's going to have training camps. He's going to have preseason. All of this for me is to week one, which is why I wouldn't be looking at playing him anywhere until week one next year. Week one next year, I think we'll probably see a bit more of the Sean Jackson we know and are used to. But for now, I think he's got to build game time, fitness, readings, timings, that knowledge back up. Um, football's an ever-evolving, changing game. We talk about play callers, Shanahan and Sean McVay and people like that and it's the same defensively. Things change. They weren't what they were two years ago. And I know you can sit and watch and study video as much as you want. But when you're stood there and you're looking at the defense on the field, you need to read that and you need to make a snap call and you need to trust your judgment. And I don't think that comes back instantly. I think that's what these are going to give him. Here's, here's a um, one for you then. Where, what sort of ADP do you see Deshaun going next year in a 1QB league? I have him going probably about round eight-ish. Because it's a it's a really interesting one, I think, isn't it? Like if we don't go see behind all of Mahomes, Allen, Hurts now, Tua probably Tua potentially, but I think he comes in ahead of the the Rogers Cousins, yeah, conversation, Mariota and Carr conversation. I think he falls in that middle bit. So he's not a I'm going to pay up and get a good guy, and he's not a hey I can hang on to the end and pick up any one of these because their production is going to be pretty similar. I think he'll just fall in that middle echelon somewhere. He will be a tour Derek Carr this year because a lot of people, myself included, was high on Derek Carr. So he sort of went before that next band, didn't he? And uh, yeah, I, I've got, yeah, I like that actually. I think that's all based on the potential. If the Deshaun Watson that we have experienced before comes back, then it makes a lot of sense. But um... that, that, no, that was good considering. Oh, I didn't mean to, but I put you on the spot there. And uh, no. Yeah, no, that was really good. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot again now. Well, I'm not going to put you on the spot again now because Stacey's listening. Stacey's come back while we're on the Browns. Stacey wants to know what we did with Nick Chubb. And I don't know if you listened earlier on, Stacey, we talked about how backs are changing in backfield. So we're regressing a little bit of the show, but James, uh, Lewis, so what are we doing with Nick Chubb? Oh, he's still a must-start, isn't he, the rest of the year? I, th- I think um, Stacey's having a little having a little wind-up with us there, maybe, but... Unless he meant Bradley Chubb, but this ain't the IDP show. So, I mean, but yeah. Yeah, Nick Chubb going scoreless against the Texans is surprising to say the least, I think. But, uh, well, yeah. The bookies had it off because he was in a lot of the multiples, that the special bets that the bookies put out. So um, that didn't pan out at all for us. <laughs> um, so where do we go next? Let's have a look. Who else we got on here? We've got Johan Dotson. Ed Washington earlier with their backs. Where are we at with the wide receiver? 
Yeah, so, I mean, Taylor Heineke was spreading the love all around in week 13. There was a few people that got a um, decent amount of targets, but Dotson had a 23% target share. So he goes into the buyer next week. He's had a 23% target share this week, coming off of a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. Straight into that kind of usage. And then week 15, he'll obviously be back for us. And it's, it's one to... Uh, I wouldn't be dropping him if you're thinking of picking someone off waivers just to see what he does in week 15. I'll happily let him ride the bench, but that's a potential league winner if you're in the playoffs. Yeah, they use him a lot. They use him a lot. He got a couple of decent scores early on the season as well. So my hunt with it is Curtis Samuel was out when Dotson did really mm. well earlier in the year. And now Samuel's back and Samuel has a a mixed bag of ability and usage. And I think Samuel was what, the Niners have done with Debo is what people have tried mm. to do with Curtis Samuel. The, the guys just, one isn't up to that standard and two can't stay healthy enough to, to see it through. Um, but Dotson's usage might depend on that a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, so Dotson had uh, five catches and Curtis Samuel had six. And then you obviously had Terry McLaurin with, I think he was eight of 12 targets. He was the clear lead wide receiver yep. again. But it, it, it's interesting that he's emerging like that and it's not good for Logan Thomas, really, more than anything. But it's it's just one to keep an eye on, really. Yeah, indeed, definitely. And it's Curtis Samuels. Curtis Samuels can go down any time. Um, we all know yeah. that, as we said. So if he does, expect Dotson of early season to potentially pick up again. So, And, uh, I mean, Washington, Washington spent first-round draft capital on him. They did. Yeah. They, they were happy to move down a few spaces, miss out on Chris Olave and, you know, to get Jahan Dotson. There's a reason they've done that. They, you know. Let's go to the Ravens. Mark Andrews, you've got on here. Um, and you've put a benefit from Lamar missing time, which I believe he did last year. Um, mm. Tyler Hunt come in. Mark Andrews had a, some great production. Yeah, it's horrible to say, isn't it? Because it's an injury and, you know, Lamar's a key figure in fantasy football anyway. But he's, Lamar hasn't been firing since the first couple of weeks of the seasons anyway. And... Mark Andrews last year had more targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns, fantasy points per game with Huntley than he did with Lamar. By a fair whack as well, Dan. So targets, he was 9.86 per game with Huntley compared to 8.4. Receptions, Mm -hmm. 7.29 to 5.6. Yards, 13 more yards nearly per game. You know, touchdowns was a bit closer. Arguably worse now than it was last year as well. So that means yeah, the land is a bit more anyway. Exactly. And it was over three PPR points more per game with Huntley than it was with Lamar. So it could reap rewards, actually, having Huntley in if you're a Mark Andrews sort of shareholder. On that note, Adam Schefter has just tweeted three minutes ago, uh, John Harbour's told reporters Lamar Jackson will be week to week with his knee injury this week being less likely. So it looks like he's definitely going to miss some time. Yeah, I think um, the Ravens know that Huntley can sort of get them in the playoffs from the position they're in and hopefully having Lamar back for then, I'd imagine. So for the rest of the fantasy season, for the fantasy playoffs, um, yeah, Mark Andrews is going to be very nice. Yeah. Um, We're literally looking at heading into fantasy players and we have it every year so I don't know I'm surprised with Purdy, <coughs> Mike White, Tyler Huntley all starting in your super flex spots. What a crazy Bryce world. Perkins. 
Yeah. yeah, I started a Dario Gumbawali in a championship game last year because the running back was <laughs> such a mess. So um, we're getting that way again this year. Please don't let it happen. It's crazy. It's, um, it's stuff you can't prepare for. It's absurd, right? It's absurd. Another guy that went yeah. down and some of the benefits. So over in Denver, Jerry Judy comes back, just starts working himself back into the game and Cortland Sutton promptly exits. Just not going yeah, right. Is um, it? When things ain't going I mean... Away, Everyone and their mother, I think, was invested in this Denver team this year for the uh, skill position players anyway, getting Russ in and things like that. But Jerry Judy, I always thought, and it was a big conversation, and it was always sort of 50-50 regardless, that Judy was going to be the number one, Sutton as the two. Other people would say Sutton won Judy too. Judy was easy. You had Sutton as one. See, that's what I mean. And it differs person to person. But Judy was eased back in this week. He only played 37% of the snaps anyway. So that would have been regardless of whether Sutton went down or not. But he was target, like, Roots ran 43%. It's not great. But then he was targeted on 36% of those Roots, which is very good. That is wide receiver one numbers. 20% target share for the team. They just need to get Russell Wilson going. Cortland Sutton himself has been having a little bit of a mare. Um, one touchdown on the year and things like that. But it's just Denver, isn't it? I'd say the big winner for me to come out of that situation, I mean, Judy will be healthy again. Hopefully Sutton's isn't too long. But Greg Dolcich this week, eight targets, mm. six receptions for 85 yards. His biggest game, uh, yeah, his biggest game by far. Um, <clears throat> certainly looked like he can deliver as a, a little target there. So someone, a little bit of glimmering light, I guess, for the Broncos in that regard. So we says he was a tight end one rest of the season anyway, after his um, London game, right? Yeah. And because, yeah, I think he had a, a, a round 80 yards then, did he? But He had 87, yeah. Hasn't found out that way since, though. He's been tight end 38, 17, and 44, and then back to yeah. tight end. Since then, he hasn't topped 40 yards and he hasn't been getting as much targets and things like that. So it's it's a strange one. Now again, yeah, fire up Dolchich and then, you know, it's all going to go bad again if we say that. <laughs> Titan is just a minefield anyway, right? It's a guy from any guy. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've touched on a few of these as we've been through the show, but we've got a... I hate the phrase, but Biomageddon again coming up week 14. A lot of teams now are in playoff mode now. You're winning in, you're losing out, must win football. You've got six teams on a bye, and you've probably two handfuls of starting players going down injured. Do you want to run Mm. us through a little bit of what injuries we've come into? (laughs) Yeah, so obviously we've spoke about Lamar Jackson with that knee injury, but Huntley... Did average over 17 points per game last season in his absence, which is very good. Um, Niners, they're down to their third string quarterback. Jimmy G, without foot injury, missed the rest of the game. They got the Buccaneers week 14. Brock Purdy, I feel sorry for him, honestly, if he has to start that one. Um, yeah, but they've just got to give the ball to Christian McCaffrey, right? I could do the job at San Francisco, I think, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I could have played QB for the Browns this week, just give it to Nick yeah. Chubb, right? <laughs> yeah. But, to a ankle injury, it's one to keep an eye on this because he was in the on the injury report last week with an ankle injury. Yeah. So, and then obviously Kenneth Walker, we touched on, exited in the second quarter with an ankle injury. 
Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones, shin injury, played through the second quarter, but he only had two snaps in the second half. Yeah. And then Traylon Burks, he's into the concussion protocol. Did he do? He, did he get that concussion as he scored a touchdown? Yes, it was a fantastic catch. It was a hit as he called it. How he held the ball, I don't know, but yeah, he went off from that moment. It mental. Same as uh, on Thursday night with Mayers, wasn't it? Where he didn't catch it, hmm. but Demar Hamlin knocked him into the middle of next week. It looked like, right. um, yeah. yeah. Chase Claypool just kind of finding his feet a little bit. They're on the bye this week anyway, so he might be all right for week 15. And then Jalen Waddle, who I believe played through a bit of a leg injury. And yeah, that's just a few of the injuries. Obviously, we mentioned Cortland Sutton as well and yeah. Nightmare. It is. And I told you off air, so I just forgive on it. I have one lineup where I lost Cooper Cup a few weeks ago and on top of this league and comfortably in charge. This week alone, starting, I've lost Lamar Jackson, Aaron Jones, Jalen Waddle, Ken Walker, and Trayvon <coughs> Burke. So my playoff hopes are well and truly out the window on that at the minute, unless some of these guys turn it around very quickly. Um, <clears throat> so with that in mind, and in my situation, Lewis, wave ads. Where am I going? Who should I be looking at? If you need a quarterback, as I mentioned, Tyler Huntley. Over 17 points per game last season in Lamar's absence. Anytime Lamar misses, Tyler Huntley is a decent option at quarterback. Zonovan Knight, we mentioned earlier in the show. So he had five from five this week, 90 rushing yards as well. He will be a decent flex play, I think, from here on out. James Cook is the big one for me, um, especially with running backs. If you need someone to plug and play, with the usage he had, he looked the much better back than Devin Singletree this week. And yeah. he's the reason Dynasty players spent a first-round pick, right? And yeah. we've seen it this week. Why? Daniel Bellinger. So he actually just came back from getting poked he in the eye. Yeah. Straight back in at tight end, one for the Giants. If you need a tight end and sort of Greg Dolce chain available or things like that, he played 97% of the snaps this week. He ran a route on 83% of those, 18% target share. And Daniel Jones was quite accurate as well, 25 of 31. Only one incompletion until late in the game, and that was a spike as well. He caught five from five. He didn't have good yards, but the usage is there going forward for Daniel Bellinger, definitely. DJ Chark, he's had a couple of all right weeks since coming off the IR. He was five of six this week, 98 yards. Since the off-season, since draft season. I'm so happy he's back. I've got more DJ Chark than I care to Don't admit. Don't get used to it. Because Jameson <laughs> Williams actually had a target. Yeah. And catch it. The Jameson Williams and DJ Chark, I'd expect to play a very similar role. So I think Chark's usage may waver. Maybe not immediately, but in the coming weeks, I'd, I'd be very wary of that. Because I expect Jameson Williams to win that role out when he gets healthy. I, I think Williams is a similar one to what we mentioned with Deshaun. It's just like a really long pre-season for him. Yeah. The Lions ain't going to the playoffs and things like that. But yeah, DJ Chark, he was dropped in a hell of a lot of leagues. And if I had a space, I was picking him up for free. Me too. I drafted him. (laughs) I drafted him in some. I drafted him in the Warrior Bowl, let him go. He's gone. Someone else has got him and I'm sad. But another one, DJ Dallas, if Ken Walker misses time, go and grab him. Travis carrying an injury as well. Yeah, he's always carried an injury, just like Rashad Penny was before. So DJ like Dallas Penny is... may be back in the next two to three weeks. <coughs> oh, wow. He was spotted apparently in the stadium. Someone saw him. 
Um, he's hoping to be back um, before the playoffs, a couple of regular season games before heading into the playoffs. So, again, me and Mer spoke last week about the strategy of now trying to think ahead and look at who's about that could win you a game down the line. Mm. If Rashad Penny's there and you've got these roster spots at the bottom of your lineups that you can keep turning over, if someone has let a Rashad Penny go, go and get him. Because if Ken Walker's missing time, Rashad Penny will come back and be in the back RB1 as soon as he comes back. So, and it's worth he was thinking a, ahead. Rashad Penny was a league winner last year, wasn't he? Yep. Yeah. Like, yeah. he was outstanding the last few weeks of last season. And he won me a couple of championships without doubt. Like, I was hot on that waiver wire. And yep. you, you do have to get after it. Stacey, you commented earlier, he does the five yard rush uh, weekly does. waiver article, comes out every Monday. He's hot on it, isn't he? He's, he's on the ball. And yeah, it's brilliant. Check that out, definitely. But yeah, it's just one of those guys. I mean, I say you should have three or four roster spots at the bottom that each week are churning that who may go down, who may come up. And okay, it's been QBs and so on, but. I'd be looking just if you've got a deep enough spot, and you've got a spot just based on what I've heard because you'll get a notification that goes out that Rashad Penny's coming back off IR and you won't be able to get him on the waivers because he'll go at a cost. So don't do yeah. it. Go get him now, stick him for a week. If you don't come back, you don't come back. What does it cost you? You go get someone else in the meantime. But here's someone I'd be yeah. keep there for the time being. What about um, Odell Beckham Jr., Dan? In redraft. I'm probably not on board with it. <clears throat> Dynasty, yeah, I've got him on a couple of rosters still sat there. Redraft for me, four weeks. He's not healthy yet. He's not signed yet. We've really spoke about how people like Jameson Williams and that are just being bedded in. Um, yes, okay, he'll know a lot of stuff and he'll be a quicker turnaround from unhealthy to productive. I understand that. At best, you may get him for a semi-final or your championship mm. game with any real return. Is there that many people out there that you can't go and get that you can have a safer floor with? And again, if he's back and he's available in a semi-final and you're due to lose it by 20, get him and plug him in because he could plug turn around in. 20 points. Yeah. If you get it to the matchup and you're a five-point swing either way, I'm taking the guy with a safe floor all day long because yeah. I feel Odell could come back and he could put up 22 points. He could put up four as well, especially when we don't yeah. know where he's going. Yeah, absolutely. I says it about uh, Jameson Williams for this week. You know, he's going to be limited and stuff like that. But if he goes out there and catches a couple of touchdowns, I know he only had one target in the end and we've seen what happened. If you're projected to lose a matchup, plug him in. And there, there, there's lots of people like that anyway, isn't there? But There is. I'm looking forward to Jameson Williams. Though. He was my top rated wide receiver coming out of the draft. So um, I'm looking forward to see how that plays out um, and get him healthy again. On a, on a decent offense there. Like against your Vikings next, I believe, who've got a dreadful secondary, so it could be all right. Yeah, I mean, well, our two safeties both had a interception this week, so yeah. against the Jets as well. And a Caleb Evans back, the rookie cornerback, not Andrew Booth, who looked awful. So yeah. he he was all right before entering concussion protocol. Nice. So yeah, it's, it's I don't know. I'm just happy. <laughs> Um, so, Liz, again, before we wrap this one up, it's, it's a short one today. I've got other commitments, unfortunately. But when can people find you next? Again, just catch them up. Fast Action Friday and the like. Yeah, so um, 
I've got a show on Thursday, I believe, as well. Fantasy Nuts show is at Fantasy K-N-U-T-S-U-K on Twitter. I post it all on there. It's just a YouTube show. But I've got Mace Riney, who used to write for the IDP team at Five Yard Rush coming in this week. Callie King, yeah, he's a he's a fantastic guy and very knowledgeable as well. So he's coming on this week. That should be a lot of fun. Fast Action Friday on Friday. We will keep you in the loop for week 14 with these injuries. Let you know who's out, who's questionable, things like that. On Friday, it's as close as we can get to the weekend. And weak points, things like that. You know, it's a fun, fast, and yeah, it's a good show. So yeah, that is about it, mate, really. Awesome. So with that, then we're going to call it a day. Murph, if you are listening in, I hope you start feeling better soon, buddy. We miss you and you'll be welcome back as a second you can get back here. Um, and I've got a good friend, Jamie, whose wife is giving birth like any second now. So I'm just going to say best of luck to, to those guys as well because um, I know he does listen. Uh, many of you will know him. Um, other than that, Lewis, thank you for your time. Thanks for joining me. Guys, thanks for listening in. Uh, and until next week, I guess we uh, feel like we're still in here. Keep rushing. live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.